are here. Another episode of In the Clinch. I am John Cox, as always, with me, the International Man of Mystery, Teddy Bender. Say hi to the people, Teddy. Coming to you live from the new apartment, a.k.a. Oh. The new, new In the Clinch studio for the time being. <laughs> Excited to be at the new setup, and uh, we're going to have a great show. You want to talk about your address? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We got a lot to talk about here. Uh, good weekend of fights, dude. Crazy card, a lot of knockouts, a lot of exciting stuff, a couple of submissions, um, good main event, very good main event, and a good co-main event as well. So we'll jump right into it here. Canier, Jared Canier versus Kelvin Gastelum. That was your main event for the night. Uh, Jared Canier comes out with a decision victory, 14-5 now. Kelvin Gastelum with 17-8-0 in one note contest. Uh, I believe this is, I think he's, Lost four of his last five fights, if I'm not mistaken. Five so, of his last six. Five of his last six. Okay. So a tough fight. Um, Kelvin thought he won the fight. I'm watching it. I don't think he won the fight, but uh, it was closer than it was. I don't think he won it, but I think it was closer than um, it wasn't a blowout. That's what I'm getting at. Um, let's see. This is obviously at middleweight. So that. Kind of shakes things up here. More, it does more for um, Jared Canier's name than it really does anything for Kelvin Gaslam. I don't think it really discredits Kelvin Gaslam too much because if you, uh, I sent you that tweet earlier this week. I mean, he has fought some fucking killers his last like twelve, his his whole career. Oh yeah, especially people bring up the whole like Gaslam's lost five of his last six. I think that's pretty unfair. If you look back at who he's lost, he lost to Izzy. Till and Hermanson. The first two of those were impressive, despite the fact that he lost, and they were pretty close fights. Then he beat Ian Heinish. He lost to Robert Whitaker, by the way, on short notice, and he was yep. in that fight the entire time. And now he lost another really close fight to Jared Cannonier. So, really, like the whole talk of him being five and six of last fight and his job is at stake, that's all overrated. He's lost to the best in the world, and that's what happens when you fight top level competition. And you take whatever fight they give you. Like the UFC is also like, hey, you want to fight on fucking. A month's notice or whatever halfway across the world and this is the guy you're gonna have to fight and it's some crazy killer then Kelvin Gaslam's gonna take the fight nine times out of ten anyways because that's just what Kelvin Gaslam does uh, after the Whitaker loss because at right after Whitaker I thought that he was kind of broken because Whitaker was able to piece him up um Whitaker did a really good job of keeping on the outside with his jab and he really busted his face up so I didn't know how Canonier would look confidence wise after that but he responded in a big way here went the distance and he did a good job of controlling this fight despite Kevin Gaslam's pressure. Uh, Kevin Gaslam kept coming forward the whole night despite being hurt, despite being dropped. Uh... All right, we are back here. Sorry, technical difficulties. We're working through them as we always do. Uh, you were discussing how Kevin Gaslam was able to take Jared Canier's shots, I believe. Right, and... Something I think people don't really talk about a lot, and Paul Felder brought up on the broadcast, is that that's a challenge, too, for the guy who's throwing the shots and the guy in front of him is just eating them. If you're Jerry Cannonier, right, think about this. You're hitting Kelvin Gaston with everything you can. These shots that usually will put people away pretty easily, and Kelvin just walks right through and keeps coming forward. That's got to be discouraging. But um, Jerry Cannonier, he kept his head on straight. Yep. He stayed focused on the task, and I think he deserves some praise for that. He definitely does. Um, and 
we were talking about Kellen Gaslam too. Just, just his record might not display it, but he's like he is a serious competitor. He's a guy who wants to be in the fight every single time. Doesn't matter what he's getting hit with. Doesn't matter how hard he's being hit. How many times he gets knocked down. He wants to get back up. He wants to get right in your face. And uh, he's a serious opponent, even though his record may not uh, reflect that. So it's a bigger credit to Jared Cunningham for holding true to himself and keeping that third rank spot. I think that's super important as of right now, too, because we don't know what Paulo Costa is going to do. Marvin Vittori just lost his real Adesanya, so he's out of the race more than likely. Maybe we see Derek Brunson. He's already fought Adesanya once. I don't believe Cunningham and Adesanya have fought. Um, I don't think they've fought before, have they? They have not, no. He'd be the only guy up there to be fresh opponent for him. So the only one in the top five who has not fought uh, Israel Asanya yet, I think. We're still haven't heard anything from Izzy, if I remember. If I, I haven't seen anything. So uh, it's not fully confirmed that Robert Whitaker is going to fight him next, even though he is the number one contender. Uh, I think it's pretty much a safe bet. But, I mean, you never know, honestly. Maybe they want to give him a fresh face. Uh, I mean, I think the rematch between him and Whitaker does much better numbers than that but uh i i wouldn't be surprised uh regardless after that fight if jared cunningham gets bumped up a spot past paulo costa if not the number one contender if robert Whitaker loses right um, if they fight. The, yeah it, it's a pretty safe bet that Whitaker will be next for adesanya although the ufc themselves have not confirmed it it's been a speculation. We've heard backstage that that's what they're working on next. Uh-huh. The problem is they're trying to break into the Oceania region between uh, New Zealand and, and Auckland. So it's it's a little difficult right now with COVID and everything going on. But that'll probably go down at the start uh, of the first quarter of 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a bit unrealistic right now to get that done towards the end of this year. But that's definitely what they're working on next. However, Cannoneer is next after that. But yeah. was an interesting like fold of the story is that can in the post fight was talking about oh, how he's broke and you know, he doesn't make a lot of money off these fights. And he said on a Hawani show on Monday, he's going to have to fight again because he needs money. He needs yeah. to fight to keep, that's his only source of income right now. He's got no sponsorships, nothing, no other uh, forms of revenue outside of fighting. He needs to be active. If he wants to make money. So he's going to fight somebody else down the rankings and then probably challenge for the title, assuming that he wins that fight. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys coming up in fights here. We got Paul Costa's going to face up against Vittori soon. Uh, Derek Brunson's going to fight Darren Till soon. Uh, Sean Strickland and uh, Luke Rockhold will also be facing off soon. So the winner or loser of any of those fights makes sense for him. Um, and this timeline with Izzy and Whitaker allows him to, you know, take some time off if he wants himself because they're not in a rush to fight right now. So there's a lot of options out there for Jared Kinnanier. However, he has cemented himself as the second in line for the title shot behind yeah, Robert Whitaker. Definitely. Uh, moving on quickly here, we're going to uh, – there's some rumblings here with uh, Khabib Namagamedov versus Jose Aldo. Not a fight, but they've got some beef, I guess, going back and forth. Um, you know more about this than I do, so you want to fill the people in? So Khabib was at a press conference, basically, and he was asked about – uh, Jose Aldo, because Aldo has just beaten Pedro Munoz. He looked really great in that fight. It was a big improvement for him. Yep. Uh, and Habib said, quote, he got beat up when he fought Piotr, right? A guy with one, a guy wins one fight and everyone starts talking. When Connor fought Cowboy, he looked like a lion. When he fights stronger opponents, he looks like a scared chick. Wow. Fighting top fighters shows your worth. Let him fight Piotr the same way. Then we can say he's peaking again. You saw what he did. He closed up and waited for the ref to stop the fight. That shows that you're not at your peak. 
if you're getting hit and you're conscious and you're not defending yourself, I call those fighters businessmen. They come out to make money, end quote. Listen. It's interesting. <laughs> it's undeniable <laughs> that the version of Aldo that fought uh, Pedro recently is an extreme improvement from the version of Aldo that fought Piotr Jan for the vacant title last summer. Right. So, and even with that aside, I'm, I don't know why Habib is feeling the need to come at Aldo like this. They've yeah. never had beef. Aldo's a bantamweight currently, and Habib is a retired lightweight. So I don't see right. where the where the need for him to come out and say that kind of thing is, especially when Aldo's never been disrespectful towards Habib. He's always been a really well-respected figure in the space. You know, I mean, and even though Pedro is not championship caliber at the moment, he's still an elite fighter, and we can be impressed with Aldo's performance. And it absolutely indicates that he can make another kind of run at the title. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it doesn't make sense to me why they're beefing right now, but it's a big story. People have picked up on it, and yeah, it, it's also sparked a lot of debate about their Aldo versus uh, Habib's legacies, which is an interesting conversation too. But yeah, I think they're both probably the greatest of all time in their respective weight classes. I just don't understand. Yes, I mean, obviously Habib's never lost, but like if you're getting like sometimes you just lose a fight, your ass kicked, and then that's the end. Of it. I mean, just because he's conscious doesn't mean that he's giving up. Because he's not winning the fight, uh, I think that's a, I don't know, I think that's an odd quote for Khabib. But uh, nevertheless, yeah, I agree. It's strange that he's beefing with. Although I would say the only reason would be that Pyotr Jan is also Russian, and it's just like a Russian. Uh, but even still, like saying that Aldo gave up against Pyotr Jan doesn't really make Piotr Jan look good. Like, wouldn't you want to say, oh, yeah, he didn't give up. He just couldn't keep going because my Russian right. boy, Piotr Jan, put it on him. Like, yeah. it, it still doesn't make sense to me. Aldo's yeah, only odd. history with Habib is that Aldo wanted to fight Habib in early 2017. He wanted to move up to lightweight and fight Habib when Habib wasn't champion and no one wanted to fight him because Aldo was still chasing the Connery match, if you remember this era correctly. Yeah. And, like, the UFC just didn't want to have him because it made no sense and all this and that. But even then, it wasn't like a disrespectful thing. He said he wanted to move him, challenge himself because Habib was viewed at that time as like the guy to be at, to beat at lightweight. So absolutely, I have no idea where this stems from. It's just really baffling to me that a guy who's retired is coming after Jose, who is a former champion himself. It's just it's just confusing to me. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I'm also I'm as confused as confused as you are. I don't really um, I don't understand the gripe with Aldo, but I mean. It is what it is, I guess. Who, who fucking knows? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I'm, I guess we'll just have to keep an eye on it and see if it uh, develops anymore from there. Um, the next thing we have written down here is Gable Stevenson. So for those of you who don't know Gable Stevenson, um, he's an Olympic wrestler for the United States. Uh, if you haven't, maybe you don't know him by name, but I'm sure you've seen the clip by now. He had that crazy uh, gold medal match. I don't remember the Russian guy's name. I believe he was Russian. And um, he won with, like, fucking eight seconds left or something like that. He rattled off a bunch of points and, like, kind of got, like, a buzzer beater win for the gold. Uh, Gable Stevenson is in talks to try and get a UFC contract. He's also talking about possibly joining the WWE. And then on top of that, also talking about, I guess, the Buffalo Bills have some interest in him. Uh, So if you're Gable Stevenson, he's made a huge name for himself at the Olympics. He um, he's kind of becoming like I'm not sure if he's a superstar per se, but uh, he's an interesting case for sure. He had definitely one of the most memorable wrestling matches in Olympic history, and if he's trying to grow his brand, this is definitely the way to do it. 
this is, I think, a really, really good example of a rare case in combat sports. We have a really high-level free agent who could yeah. realistically go anywhere he wants. WWE, UFC, Bellator, they're all calling his name right now. Yeah. Um, and listen, he also has aspirations of crossing over into football. He said right now that's more of a priority than fighting in, in any sort of capacity, which is interesting to me. Uh, he may go back for his senior year. I believe he's at Arizona State. I could be wrong, but that's neither here nor there. He he wants to walk onto that football team and then perhaps pursue something with the Buffalo Bills. Um, but for sure, he would like to uh, get another national title back-to-back -back, uh, for his college, which is history in itself. But he's really looking at after college. What is he going to do? Is he going to go the WWE route? He definitely wants to go to MMA at some point. Is that right now or is it after he goes to pro wrestling? Um, that's kind of where he's at right now. But he's doing a great job of leveraging and using these uh, negotiation tactics against people like uh, Dana White, against people like Vince McMahon or Scott Coker or Bellator. In my opinion, and um, Ariel Hawani is echoed this himself. Uh, a lot of people in this space agree with this. He should go to WWE first. This is known as yeah. the Brock Lesnar route, right? So imagine Gable Stevenson, regardless of what he does in college this year, uh, even if he doesn't win the national championship, still winning an Olympic gold medal in wrestling gets you a lot of fans, especially right. in that wrestling space. Right. Um, imagine if he went to WWE, he's a heavyweight, right? And him and yeah. Brock have a history, and, he, and he's been going to Brock a little bit too. They could set up a fight like that where – Maybe he beats Brock or he doesn't. I don't know. I don't really follow the pro wrestling stuff. It's yeah. just not real. And I, it's just not my thing. But he could get a lot of fans over there, right? Yeah. And then cross over. Remember when CM Punk <laughs> came over and he was like not at a UFC caliber level, but he had a lot of fans, so he gained right. a lot of interest? I think that. But Gable Stevens is a gold medalist in wrestling, and he could do some damage at heavyweight, right? right. Him coming over, he has a unique opportunity. To not only be world champion, but he could also be a huge, massive superstar that crossed over in the mainstream. And by the way, he's 20. You're saying he's, uh, how old is he? 21? So basically, Gable Stevenson has a unique opportunity. To not only be a world champion in whether that be pro wrestling, UFC, Bellator, whatever, he has the skills to pay the bills, but he also has the potential to be a huge star and really blow up and cross over to the mainstream. So the sky's the limit for Gable Stevenson right now. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I think that this kid's uh, he's exciting. He definitely like I've heard him in a lot of interviews. He's got a good personality. He's got the um, he's got he's good at selling himself and making uh, kind of building his own brand. Um, but what's exciting for me about this kid is that, one, that he's so young. He's 21 years old. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, technically, if he did join the NFL, I believe he's the youngest you can be eligible. I think the age, the minimum age is 21, I think. I might be wrong about that, but I believe it's 21. Um, so he's got a plenty of time to try to do that. Uh, I think I agree that football is probably the way to go first because you can get guaranteed money there. Uh, more money than you're going to get in the UFC for sure, uh, or any other fighting promotion. Or WWE would pay him well too, though. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm not sure how the WWE contracts work. Um, I, maybe they give him more than uh, than the NFL would. If he's good at the WWE, though, uh, I think that's a better job security. 
because you can come in as a new person, kind of like blow up real quick and then get out real quick, i.e. like Ronda Rousey. I don't know if she's still even in the WWE. I don't think she is. I don't I might be wrong about that. I don't follow wrestling. But, yeah, I mean, this kid's got plenty of opportunities, like, all around him. He's got a thousand different things he could try to do. Um, maybe he even does commentating or something for wrestling. Like, who knows? He could do whatever he wants. Um, but just to fact check, he goes to the University of Minnesota, Golden Gophers. Ah, oh, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I like the kid, too. He's, like I said, he's cool. He's He's fun to uh, do. Like he sounds fun on interviews. He's witty. He's obviously a beast at wrestling. Uh, maybe he. I mean, I'm sure he's gonna keep going to the Olympics. He's only 21, so uh, yeah, it's exciting stuff. Now this is this weekend, I think. Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. I believe it's yep. what Friday or Saturday. One. Or maybe uh, it might be even Sunday. I don't. I don't know which day it is, but yeah, um, it's on Sunday, the 29th, I think. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty fucking stupid. I don't know why they do that, but all right. <laughs> um, why would you not do Friday? Like, I get Saturday's the UFC, but like Friday, why? Showtime boxing is just they do whatever they want. They did the same thing with the Floyd fight was on a Sunday too. I don't know what they're they're aiming at something there, but I don't know. I don't know. It's I don't understand any sort of – I don't know why the NFL is on Sunday. I don't know why. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think it's – why would you want to do something that, on a work night? But that's hearsay. Um, um, what the fuck was I going to say now? Oh, so I guess if we haven't really – have we talked about this at all? I don't think we no, have. not at all. So uh, I, I'm kind of like over the whole Paul Brothers thing. But um, – if you want my honest opinion, I think there's a good to fair chance he beats Tyron Woodley. I don't yeah. know about you, but well, that's what the betting line would indicate. It's like basically dead even money. I think Jake might be a slight betting favorite. Uh, like you said, a lot of people are kind of over the whole Paul boxing thing. Yeah, I could not be more interested in this particular fight, though. Really? I'm gonna be honest. I didn't really care for the Ben Askren fight or the the Nate Robinson fight before this, but for some reason, Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley is super interesting to me and I can't get over it. So <laughs> here's why I like Tyron Woodley in this fight. He's incredibly experienced. He's battle tested, obviously former UFC world champion, defended the belt multiple times and did show through his striking and. Okay. We're back. More technical difficulties. Uh, we're trying to figure this shit out, but we got, um, we got, we switched up some Wi-Fi's and all that shit. We should be good. <laughs> Anyways, 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 we are talking about how interesting this matchup is because Tyron Woodley has experience, a ton of experience, obviously, in combat sports. And Jake Paul also has experience, not as much and not at um, such a high level. But I just like, I don't know where Tyron Woodley's head is at. So how is that going to play into this fight? How is that? going to affect how he actually fights and like it i i don't even know if tyron woodley is good anymore for being honest man i mean those are all great questions that's that's partly the reason behind the intrigue of this fight is because you know in his prime tyron woodley versus jake paul it's a wash like we we know what happens there but a lot of people think that tyron will tyron woodley's kind of behind the hill at this point 
Um, the main thing I think that is getting a little bit glossed over here is that Tyron Woodley hits like a damn truck. And Jake Paul's never been hit somebody who hits like Woodley. You know, with all due respect, oh, what's the name of the YouTube guy? Uh, Andy Sung Gibb, I think his name is. <laughs> Nate Robinson and Ben Askren have zero power on their strikes. Right. Nothing like Woodley at all. Um, it's a huge step up in terms of power for opponents for Jake. Also important to note that Ben Askren hit Jake with like one of the slowest overhand rights I've ever seen thrown in my life. Um, and Jake just ate it flush. Like he didn't even try to get out of the way of it. Um, that is very, very damning if you're a fan of Jake Paul, because that just happens to be Tyron Woodley's best weapon in this fight is the overhand right. Tyron was going to hit him clean. No doubt. He will hit him clean at least a couple of times in that fight with full power. The big question of this fight to me is how is Jake going to handle that power? You know, Tyron's been proven to have good cardio late in the fights in the UFC. We haven't seen Jake fight past second round in his pro boxing career. So that's a huge question as well. What gives me some pause in favoring Woodley is that he's known more so as an explosive one punch knockout sort of attack attacker. Like just he waits mm -hmm. for his moment and explodes. That's what a lot of his knockouts uh, have come from. I'm not so confident in that kind of style if it's a straight boxing match. And I believe that if Jake Paul is able to stay on the outside, touch Tyron up with his jab, that he could run away with that fight. If I had to make a prediction, though, I think Tyron gets the finish late uh, in the fight or he could do a decision. Yeah. Uh, so he, I agree with what you said, that he's an explosive one-punch power kind of guy. But I think there was like – he always had the threat of like a takedown as well. And ground game. Right. So I, I'm curious if he has to rely strictly on his punching, um, how well he's going to fare against someone who's trained strictly uh, or like only punching, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Um, but also, I guess, in the you could flip it and say that he has no fear of getting taken down or kicked or anything like that. So he can, true. like, you know, there's a, it's a two way street. Um, I, I, it's just, I, I really don't know what time really looks like. Like, because he just looks so bad at the end of his career that I'm like, I, I is this dude completely lost his touch? Or, like, is it just something to do with the UFC caliber of talent just ramping up and he just couldn't keep up or something like that? Yeah, I, I mean, it's all great questions. We really don't know until we see the fight. You could chalk it up to many different things, honestly. You know, Tyron, he faced Kamaru Usman, and it seemed like he just wasn't even there in that fight. Not to say that Usman didn't completely dominate him in that fight, but it wasn't vintage Tyron Woodley. And then after, after that, he had the, um, the Colby Covington fight, the Damian Maya fight. He also lost to, who am I forgetting in this? Um, Damian Maya, um, Kamara Usman. No, who do you fight after Kamara Usman? It wasn't Colby, was it? Was it Colby? I don't know, but the point, oh, the point stands. He, he, Oh no, it's Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns. Yep. Jeez, I should have had that ready, but, Anyways, his last run in the UFC, those, his last four fights were nothing to write home about. He lost several, several rounds in a row. Um, so I think Jake Paul's looking at that and saying, that's the fight I want because I can beat that big name and get an easy fight in his opinion. But I just, I just don't know. I think that we're going to find out in this fight that there's levels to combat sports. And it's, it's going to be, in my opinion, I, th I think Tyron's going to knock him out late in the fight. That's just my opinion. Um, I, I, I really don't know what I. <laughs> I don't even know what's. I honestly don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. I, I think that 
there's a chance that Jake Paul knocks him out. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is Tyron Woodley too. We can't forget he still has so much power that it's like it really only does take one punch. It's just a matter of that he couldn't land the punches in the UFC. So I, I, I don't think it's going to a decision. I can tell you that much. True. True. Yeah, no. I think it's a safe bet. Bet on it, not going to a decision. Not bet on who's going to win. Right. Because either way, it's a close fight either way. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Jake Paul came away with this one. All right. Um, let's see. Now we have Barboza versus Giga. That is coming up this Saturday. Um, is that from the Apex Center as well? I think it is. Yes, it is. Yes, yep. it is. Uh, at 10 p.m. UFC Apex Center on ESPN Network. The prelims, surprisingly, will be on ESPN Plus uh, and not ESPN. I guess that's probably something to do with TV scheduling or whatever. Um, Edson Barboza versus Giga Chigatsi, 22-9. and nine. Edson Barboza is versus Giga Chigatsi, who is 13-2. This will be a featherweight bout, and I am very, very excited for this fight. As you should be. This is a crazy fight. This fight reminds me a lot of Anderson Silva versus Israel Adesanya. Um, Barboza is simply an older, more experienced version of, of a Giga. Uh, both of these guys are extremely high-level strikers, both known for their explosive kicks more than anything. If you haven't educated yourself on Giga Chikese's career, go look at his highlight tape because his fighting style is box office. I mean, he's entertaining every single time, much like Barboza. And by the way, Edson Barboza holds claim to some of the best knockouts in the history of this sport. Yeah. Think, think sports center top 10 plays type of right. action for this one. I mean, right. the spinning shit is going to be going on. People are going to get a hit in the face with ankles. It's going to be crazy. I, I can't wait. Yeah, Giga uh, Chigazzi is like such a – I feel like for whatever reason, he's not like a well-known name yet. I think he should be. I think he's fucking terrifying. Uh, featherweight, is yeah, featherweight's obviously we've talked at nauseum about featherweight and how good it is, but like him being ranked all the way down at 10th is like crazy for how good he is and how scary he is. And then even at some Barbosa, respectively, at nine, it, it's like it just shows how good this uh, this division has become. But I agree that um, it's gonna be fucking insane, it's gonna be a lot of um, unorthodox fighting, like moves, strikes, crazy stuff all over the place. Um, I don't know. This is, I mean, this is, it's such an interesting fight that I don't know which way I want to lean on this. I, I think I like Barboza in it, but I don't know. I mean, Giga is just flying to the rankings too. Right. No, Giga's on chair on a tear right now. I think Barboza's experience is going to be the main thing that would help him get through this fight. Um, he's been in those deep waters and by the way, his recent losses, couple split decisions, a, a loss to Justin Gagey, which joined the club. A lot of people lose to that guy. Um, I mean, Barbosa, don't mistake it. Like, he, he is no slouch himself. He's not declining so much as everyone thinks he is. He's still very much in this, and I think his experience is going to carry him through this fight. Um, although close, I think Barbosa will edge it out. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think – I'm trying to think this. Like, it probably wants to be like, oh, it's going to be like a first round knockout, crazy. But then, like, we've seen Barboza just like butcher dudes and go decisions too. Um, True. I don't know which way I want to lean on how it's going to finish either. I think more than likely, I, I'm going to go with a TKO in the third round for Edson Barboza. 
You know, it's a good point you brought up. I, the more I think about it, the more I can remember us seeing Barbosa come out really strong and explosive and throwing crazy combinations. And then he kind of does lose that cardio. And that's because he's a very uh, fast twitch muscle build kind of guy. He explodes. Um, he, he has a lot of crazy techniques that are very taxing on your gas tank. So that could happen. I could see that happening. But either way, I, I mean, this fight, no one's going to complain at the end of it. It's going to be entertaining. Yeah, it's definitely going to be entertaining. Uh, now we're going to get towards the uh, end of the episode here. We're going to wrap it up with fan questions. we got a bunch of these here. we got about six or seven, it looks like. So um, first question here, when will Amanda Nunes return? Um, that, I think, is up to the UFC. I, I, I'm not really 100% sure. I would say as soon as possible. I don't think she's going to like take a little layoff. or like. I think she's probably ready to go right now. It's just a matter of whenever she's cleared. But yeah, um, she, she's been training I would say recently. Sooner. She just got back into it. Yeah, yeah it's, I'd say sooner rather than later. What's interesting is, um, is uh, Juliana Pena, she kind of like uh, motioned her way up to the mic at the last big press conference they had in front of fans. And she asked Dana White herself, she said, when is uh, Amanda Nunes going to come back? Because she heard a rumor that it was going to be December. But Dana White said that he couldn't confirm that. So at least I can tell you that the UFC is looking around December for her return. I'd think more so like first quarter of 2022, probably in January or February, but that fight will happen no matter what. Juliana Payne is not losing her title shot because Amanda Nunes tested positive. They'll mm-hmm. get that fight done. Yep. It seems yep. like Amanda didn't have a tough battle with COVID either. So that'll be a good fight. But either yep. way, um, Juliana Pena, she's, she's got a chance against Amanda Nunes. I can't lie, but it, it's not, it's a man news at the end of the day. Like she's, she's going to be like a minus 600 favorite. Like right. it's going to be tough to pick Juliana Pena or anyone for that matter against the man news. But I will say, I love what Juliana Pena is doing. She's actually yeah. trying to promote this fight. She's yep. going at Nunez. She's poking back at the bully, which a lot of people don't do uh, to a man Nunez. And that's exactly what that division needs. They need someone to poke back and make it exciting. Reminds me of when Chael Sonnen was going back at Anderson when Anderson was untouchable. Right. Um, you kind of need that. It makes it interesting. Um, sorry, one second. My phone was gonna die. Uh, so I agree with what you just said too. I think it's interesting that, like, because Amanda is so likable, everyone seems to like in, enjoy having Amanda Nunes around, even though she's such a beast in that division. Obviously, one of the best MMA fighters of all time, definitely the best women's MMA fighter of all time. I guess you could debate maybe Shevchenko was up there with her as well. Uh, excuse me, but. I, I actually agree with that too. I like the way the pain is kind of like talking some shit, and riling her up and not just being like, Oh, I'm excited to fight her and something like that. She, I mean, she just doesn't like her. She doesn't like Amanda Nunes for whatever reason. I think maybe she thinks that she's been on top for too long. Now she's got a chip on her shoulder kind of thing. But I, I agree. I like the way that she is talking shit to Amanda. I like the way that she's not doing what everyone else is doing. Uh, and I don't want to say cowering away, but she's not just like she doesn't seem afraid of Amanda. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and that's the main <laughs> thing. Me. It seems like people fight Amanda scared. Um, it seems like people are a little intimidated by her. Kind of like when when Mike Tyson was was at his peak, and people were just scared of him. They would lose before they even fought. I feel like a lot of people lose the fight against Amanda before they even step in there with her. Right. Exactly. That being said, uh, as well rounded as Juliana Pena is. I don't see her being better technically than the men in the U.S. in any area of the game. I don't see her outlasting her. I don't see her better cardio. She's not stronger. She doesn't grapple better. It's I, I, As much as I would like to pick her, 
as the underdog, I, I can't. I can't see it happening. But, you know, crazier things have happened. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we do this. It's a broken record. I think it happens every time Amanda Nunes fights. But I'm just going to say it again. I think of anyone um, that has fought her as of recently, I think this girl seems to have the best chance. Uh, I, the last one I thought was maybe uh, Jermaine Durand me, but it, it kind of fucking it kind of, uh, what's it called, fizzled out and, like, didn't end up um, didn't end up working out for Jermaine Durandamy. I do, and like The only reason I thought was um, just because she beat a dude one time. But what? Jermaine Durandamy? Yeah. Yeah, she knocked well, out a, a guy in the sanction fight. Oh, that's cool. Well, I believe it was her. Maybe I don't know. I know someone did. I, I, I'm like 99% sure it was Jermaine Durant. That was like my one well, talking it. point, though, but I was like, I mean, she beat a guy, so maybe she could beat him in. <laughs> well, she she had uh, some problems for Amanda on the feet. Like, she she stood there with her. Um, and Amanda, if you remember, had to take her down to control on the ground to win that fight. So um, and that's the one girl I always circle back to. It's like, damn, like, Jermaine Durant, I mean, like, has the skills to pay the bills on the feet. Like, she can give Amanda problems if she can work more on her ground game, so. Right. Uh, I, I guess that's something to look forward to in that division, but who knows? Uh, as far as Juliana Pena goes, no, I don't give her much of a chance, respectfully. Uh, yeah, Jermaine Durandamy knocked out, um, who was it? Tom Ways. He was in a boxing match. 40 pounds oh. heavier, though. So, fucking. Jesus she Christ. was or he was? He was. Oh, that yeah. takes some serious power. <laughs> right. So that's why I was like, oh, maybe she can beat Amanda. I don't know. Shout out GDR. Shout out GDR. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't hate Payne's chances again. It's like, like you said, it's going to be minus 600 for sure. Something around there, but I mean, Hey, fuck it. You know, it's anything can happen on any day. That's why fighting is fighting. Who knows? Never. I mean, I think everyone was kind of shocked when Ronda Rousey lost, you know, didn't think that was going to happen as early as it did, especially not the Holly home at the time. And then that's our BGSP. Like BGSP. Fucking, There's plenty of examples, especially in MMA. Anything can happen. Yeah, this sport's so happen. crazy. Fighting is you fighting. Know. Can't play fighting. Um, right? So let's see. Let's see. Whew. Legacy. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Legacy versus legacy. Who is higher in the all-time GOAT rankings, Aldo or Khabib? Khabib. You think Khabib is more all-time great? Oh, man. Um... We can start off. We know. both agree that Habib's the greatest lightweight ever, and Jose is the greatest featherweight ever, right? Yeah, I. You know what? I want to say Aldo, dude, just because of how long he's been in this goddamn game. Okay. At the so, top, too. At the top. So what's the argument for Habib? He's twenty-seven and zero, right? Mm-hmm. Dominated. Lost two rounds technically. Really, just one to Connor, the Gaethje one. He should not have lost that first round. That was crazy judging. Yeah. But anyways. Dominated everybody, finished um, his three defenses, Connor, Dustin, Gaethje. He finished all of them. Um, and he fought, what's his name? Ally Quinta on short notice to, to, win the, to win the featherweight belt, or the, excuse me, the lightweight belt. Yep. The digs on him are his first, what, 10 or so fights were against guys who combined had no wins. Um, he, he's gotten gripe before for being a bit of a stat patter uh, with things like that, but Really, the main thing that I can't give Habib the nod over Aldo for is that his longevity on championship level. Mm-hmm. He has three defenses, um, all against guys who are not known for 
having really good grappling skills other than Dustin Poirier's jujitsu background. But against Sambo, jujitsu is just not the answer, and especially well, with Habib's smothering style. If we want to, uh, if I can just interject there too, of all of his title defenses that we saw him in the most trouble, it was against Dustin Poirier too. It's true. It's true. Um, but even still, even if that wasn't the case and he was beating wrestlers, right? Right. It's still just three defenses. It's yeah. three defenses yeah. at a championship level. Jose Aldo, people forget this, was undefeated for 10 years as champion. 10, Ten years. years. He was the first featherweight champion in the UFC. Like, they made the right. division for Aldo. Right. Um, I think a lot of people, once he got knocked out by Conor real quick and then lost to Max, by the way, the only other two um, featherweight champions other than Alex Volkanovsky. Oh, by the way, he also lost to him too. That's his other loss. It, it's it, it's crazy to me that people just kind of write this guy off. And also, um, people don't talk about. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, people don't talk about like the knockout that Connor had over him was insane in and of itself. Thirteen seconds, first punch, all that stuff. But people don't talk about just how like actually insane that was. Because like if you were like, I think Connor knocks him out in the first round. Like anyone you ask would be like, Are you out of your fucking mind? Like you know, like it was a complete. I don't want to call it a fluke because there was clear preparation. It was um, no. It's a legit. It, it, it was, was a calculated maneuver. Yeah, no. That's pre legit. fight like uh, what, what was what's the word I'm looking for? Like cerebral takedown, basically of Aldo. He totally took his head out of it, made him nervous. Yada yada. You can do that all day long. But like, I mean, that was insane. It was insane. And like, it it's it, it's a calculated fluke in my opinion. You know, like it's like it's just Aldo went out there and just panicked. But before that, dude, like you said, 10 goddamn years of being undefeated. 10. As champion. It's, it's just, we're comparing apples and oranges here. It's like when people compare Habib to John Jones. It's like John Jones has 15 world titles to Habib's right. four. Right. Like, I, I'll give Habib credit. I think he was more dominant than Alda was in his career. You can yeah. say that. Yeah. Habib was more dominant against lesser opponents. I think Habib's like, the most dominant fighter of all time, bro. I'll yes, that's fair. I'll agree with you on that. He's the most dominant fighter of all time. Yeah. Jose Aldo consistently sought out the toughest fights in his division for 10 years. Right. Took them on and made it look easy. When he had a close fight against Chad Mendes, he said, I want him again, by the way. And then right. he finished him. Like it was right. that's the kind of guy that Jose Aldo finished is. him Jose, like spectacularly too. Yeah. Oh my god. Like just go look at Jose Aldo's WC run. Like those highlights are yeah, crazy. Dude. And for especially now, this Pedro Munoz win's going to age extremely well. And he also challenged for about a different weight division, which is something that Habib never did. Habib yeah. would never even consider moving up to welterweight, which is another thing people kind of will give him uh, criticism for, which I don't think is necessarily that fair. I don't right. think it yeah. matters that much if he wants to stay in one weight class or another. Right, right. But I agree. it should count if you're comparing him and Aldo because Aldo's more willing yeah. to go up and down weight classes. So legacy-wise, I'm saying – Jose Aldo has a more complete resume than Habib, despite Habib being dominant, undefeated. It's just not against that super high level for as long as a, as long of a time. Not saying that Connor Gaethje and Dustin aren't high level wins because they aren't. That's the highest level he could have got at the moment. But longevity wise, at that level is what I'm looking at when we're talking about goat status. And I think Aldo's just ahead of him. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Aldo's ahead of him as far as that goes. Um, next question we have here. Now that Manny Pacquiao and Connor both lost, do we ever see that fight happen? Um, 
personally, I don't give a fuck. But if we want to <laughs> talk about it, then I, I, I think Manny is probably done. He seems like it. But then again, it's boxing, and this key seems to happen all the time in boxing. Um, where it's like a guy says he's all done, it's over, and then comes back and fights fucking what's it called? I don't know. Like a, YouTuber. a month later or whatever. Yeah, or like six months later all of a sudden they're making a return. Or Tyson coming back and fighting uh, Holyfield. Or was it Holyfield, right? No. It was Roy Jones. Roy Jones Jr. Like, fucking, what was it, 14 years after? Or something? Like 12 years. Yeah. So... I, I don't think so. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think we see it. I don't think we see it. But you know, initially the draw for Connor to fight Manny Pacquiao at first was because Manny had the world title in boxing, and Connor was like, "Well, there's. I probably don't want to box many times, but I want to get a world title." Mm-hmm. Manny Pacquiao was the fight then because they've had back and forth, blah blah blah, and he was holding world titles, and Manny was older and it was like he was seen as a bit of a weaker champion at the time so it made sense for connor to want that fight yeah. now that manny's lost and he's probably going to retire and he doesn't have his belts anymore that fight doesn't really make sense to me anymore on connor's side yeah. plus the fact that why does manny back why, manny pack doesn't need to fight connor because connor <laughs> also is not the he's not the highest level of the ufc now so what's the draw for manny there Right. Especially when you hear Manny say after in the press conference after his last fight this weekend saying that might be it for me. I might retire. I'm not sure yet. But, you know, crazier things have happened. Maybe when they're both on losing skids, it makes more sense than when one of them was only winning, you know. Um, maybe they do one going away fight for Manny uh, when Connor comes and Manny gets a big payday. But to be honest, that it's not as big of a draw as Mayweather, obviously. But I don't even know, like... I don't want to watch that fight, really, honestly. Yeah, no. No part of me wants to see this. Or, like, I'm not like, oh, my God, no, this can't happen. But I'm like, if this happened, I wouldn't watch it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'd, if I'd watch this one. It's, it doesn't do anything for me, you know? I'm, if you're interested in Conor McGregor right now, you want to see what he can do in this lightweight division, if he can regain that momentum he wants out in the UFC. And if you're a Manny Pacquiao fan, you want to see the same thing in his boxing realm. Right. No, neither of these fan groups want to see this fight happen. It just doesn't yeah, make sense on either side. Does that mean it won't happen? No, because money talks. But mm-hmm. I, I, I'm willing to bet that it probably won't happen. No. Yeah. Um, on the topic of Conor McGregor, uh, who does Conor fight in his return? Or who should he fight in his return? It's a tough one, right? Because Very the leg injury. We don't, we don't know the timeline. The whole lightweight division could be completely different. If I had to choose, though... You want my off-the-cuff answer? Think, Just to start off the top of my head? Go ahead. Tony Ferguson. You stole right out of my mouth. It's, it's, too, it's too obvious, right? It's too perfect. Yeah. Tony's a good combination of a guy who perhaps isn't anymore, but an elite championship-level fighter. Uh, and entertaining. Crazy, entertaining, great style. The right. lead-up to that fight would be super entertaining. Could yes, you imagine an impressive between Carl oh, and Tony? Holy It'd shit. It'd be hilarious. I'd It'd pay just to watch that. Right. Um, Connor and Tony have had it back and forth for a while now. They've mm-hmm. been rivals for a very long time. Yep. And if if you're in the UFC, this is a good matchup because you kind of got to favor Connor in that fight, right? Um, I, yeah, in my, yeah, I think so. Yeah. In my opinion, stand up wise, um, Connor is just much more sharp on the feet. He hits harder than Tony. Um, Tony, I think his best uh, bet to win that fight would be to grapple him. But I don't think that Tony can take Connor down. I got to be honest. I don't see Tony as someone who's see, like, I don't see him as someone who's really, really strong. And I see Connor as 
I don't I don't think that there's any way know. for him to, to trick him to get him to the ground. I Maybe don't know because role, like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. And I think he's just also naturally way stronger than Tony too. I don't think it'd be hard for Tony to leg lock Connor. A just, leg lock now that that's where danger comes. That's with, why I said the MNR role. Can have, right, yeah. just with Connor's odd fighting style, uh, his stance and everything like that, very open, very flat, but like because he's looking for a precise shot. Um, I I think, but you th- okay? So Connor obviously hits harder than Tony. I don't know if Connor hits as hard as Justin Gaethje though, and it took Justin Gaethje like four and a half rounds to put Tony away. It's true, of but lighting him up too, like lighting him up. So, devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. After going five rounds with Gaethje, getting hit with full power, is your chin mm-hmm. ever the same? We've seen what happens to guys after they fight Justin Gaethje. The chin is perfect until it's not. We've seen yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's never a gradual yeah. decline. It's always. I hate to use the Max Feldman term because he was so wrong on Tom Brady, but it's a cliff. <laughs> The right. chin is a cliff. There's no indicator of when it's going to drop. It just right. does. Right. And after you go through a war like that and you've taken punishment against the current champ, Oliveira, and Benil Dariush, Tony's chin, it might not be as great as we remember it. It I might mean, not at, be. Uh, and look at Chuck like Liddell. Conor a bad style. Yeah, look at Chuck Liddell. It happened fast, right? right. Things right. like, like that. Oh. And I, obviously, I don't hope this happens to Tony. No. I'm just saying we can't ignore that. Right. I think Tony is dangerously close to the cusp of um, Tyron Woodley. Where it's like, yes. I think yes. it's, he's, he, he next he loses again. I think he's probably all done. I think either they cut him or um, he, I, I can't see him retiring. So I think maybe he gets cut and goes to Bellator or one or glory or something like that. But uh, I, I just think this fight makes so much sense. It's such a good hype. And if we're going off Connor's rehab, I, I don't remember the exact, I don't know if there even is exact numbers of when this may happen. But when he will return, I just going off strictly going off what I think is going to happen with Dustin Poirier, because uh, that's obviously the fight that Connor wants to make. That's the fight they both want. Um, I, I think it's gonna be a long time before they're both ready and like the stars align where they're both good to go at the same time. So I think that the Connor versus Tony fight makes perfect sense as a rematch or not a rematch, um, a return fight. A lot of hype behind it. They can both sell the shit out of this fight. Tony needs to win desperately. Connor needs the return win to get to the uh, Poirier fight and really to keep his career alive as this um, uh, upper echelon spectacle. I mean, he's always going to be the draw. We know that. But yeah. is he always going to be feared? We don't know that. Um, I think right this now, if, you're, great... a, if you're a lightweight, you're not as afraid of Connor McGregor as you happened in the past. Uh, I, I, we've just seen that he's beatable. He's, you can knock him out. You can choke him out. Uh, it's it, he is beatable. He's not superhuman, and now we've seen that his legs are compromised. I don't know how how much that's going to keep happening. I, I highly doubt that he snaps his leg a couple of times, but uh, he might be wary to throw that that low calf kick now. This is a great point. I was talking to my roommate about this because he's a he's studying physical therapy in college right now. Mm-hmm. So Connor got a surgery where he had to put a titanium rod in his leg, right? Yep. And I'm I'm going to butcher the shit out of this, but basically the bone, it's not right on the outside where like the metal rod is touching the skin. It's kind of in between the fibula and the tibia, I believe, or I believe one of them is replaced by it, but there's still bone encapsulating it, right? Mm-hmm. When you if you were to throw a kick how you normally would, like shin on shin or shin on calf, whatever, it's going to kill when you throw that leg, right? So okay. we would think back to who got the same surgery 
Anderson Silva, when he broke his leg, he got a titanium yep. rod in there. There was zero benefit that he got. All the doctors that have worked on the surgery, all the experts had said that it was zero benefit at all from having a titanium rod because you think it, would it be. hurt. Yeah, you would think there would be, but you still have nerves in there. It still right. hurts. It's, right. Imagine, John, it's just like having a titanium rod constantly hitting against your right. legs right. and your bones right. when you use that. And if you remember, right after the, the leg injury happened with Anderson Silva, he rarely threw leg kicks. It was always mm-hmm. a teep kick or like a, a lead side leg kick, like the John Jones style where you right. try yep. to separate the, the knee. Um, very rarely would you see a traditional leg kick or calf kick from Anderson Silva. And that's probably, from my speculation, that's because it kills to throw that kick. So yep. I don't necessarily think that that's going to benefit him in any way because he seems to think that oh i'm gonna have a titanium leg and i'm gonna be like arnie and terminator 2 or whatever he was saying so (laughs) it's it's a huge question mark i think people are still glossing over it the fact that he could come back and not look the same he's you also gotta remember he's gotta learn how to walk again he's gotta learn how to move around in the ring again he's gotta learn how to get back into that stance that he was he was um working out of when he was fighting it's gonna take a lot for him to get back and I think throwing him into a championship fight with Dustin Poirier at the time, if he beats Oliveira for the belt or not, mm-hmm. I think that's a lot to ask for. And that's why I think a fight with Tony is a better option because Tony himself has like problems too. We, we saw after he tore his knee up against, uh, or I shouldn't say against because he tripped over a wire, but once he tore his ACL, he Let never went the same again. <laughs> right, the camera. On April Fool's, I didn't believe it when it happened. I know. I was just a joke, I know. But no, terrible timing. Anyway. When you saw him come back in the Pettis fight, he yeah. didn't move the same. Although he won, yeah. he didn't move the same. Cerrone, right. he didn't move the same. And then his three losses since then, you can tell that it's, it's really bothered <laughs> him. So uh, an injury like that, we'll never know how he comes back again. But for sure, I think Tony Ferguson's the guy to come back against. Or I wouldn't hate Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is another mm-hmm. fun one. I like that one What too. I think is would be interesting is if Tony and Connor fought at 170 again, kind of like the Cowboy mm. Cerrone thing, because Tony's been talking about wanting to go up to 170. He won the ultimate fighter at 170 pounds. He feels good at that weight. We all know if Conor doesn't have to cut weight, he won't want to. It, it could be another one of those dude. fights. That is a right? dangerous man for Conor McGregor. It's, it's a dangerous that fight a either dangerous way. dangerous fight. But, but if you're the UFC, you like his chance against Tony way more than Dustin. And yeah, what do we say? It fucking it moves the needle for sure. And we're not, we're not giving Conor any easy fights. Conor's not fighting unranked guys. He's fighting guys in the top right. 10. Right. So Absolutely. if you want... Tony Ferguson is the perfect guy of a winnable fight in the top 10 to prove that Connor can still fight there. And then we'll talk about Dustin. Yeah, I agree. I think he wants uh, just, you, you have, he has to fight before Dustin just to shake the ring rust off, get his confidence yes. back, get used to being in the cage again. If he wins the fight handily, I say fight again right away and just fucking stay active. No need for another fucking six, seven month layoff. Uh, if Dustin's good to go in two months, he's good to go in two months, fight again in two months. You know, it's, it, um, I think that would service him a lot better than all these long layoffs and stuff like that. Because you know, think about how busy Connor is too. He's a busy guy. You know, he's Connor fucking McGregor. Like he's got shit to do. He's got promotions to do. He's got all these different things to do. So I think the less time um, in between fights, the better for him because he can focus more on the fight back to back rather than all the other crazy shit he has to do all the time. Yeah, totally agree. But like you said, he's a busy guy. He's got a lot of businesses, his hands in a lot of different deals, stuff like that. Yeah. Fighting has to be priority number one. It yeah. has to be. If you're fighting at the top of this lightweight division, it's got to be number one. Like yeah. you saw the difference when Dustin's saying, oh, like fighting's what I do. I do this every day. Connor's on yachts. 
Connor's doing whiskey deals, uh, McGregor Fast Program, stuff like that. They just opened a bar. Yeah, it, it's you got to be completely focused on the fighting. And if not, you know, look what happened to Ronda Rousey when she went to yep. Hollywood, got in all these movies, then she loses to Holly Holm unexpectedly and loses to Amanda Nunez. It's like, these guys at the top level, you've got to be completely all in. That's what it seems like. Because if you're fighting guys whose life is fighting and they need fighting, then, you know. You'll see the difference. It's also the hunger thing. He, he doesn't yeah, have Connor to. Yeah, doesn't need to fight. He doesn't have to. Yeah. But getting back to the question, he could fight really anybody in his return. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of good opponents that he could match up with. But Tony Ferguson, just he hits all the boxes. And I think it's almost too obvious. Yeah. And then, I, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I was going to say maybe Michael Chandler or Gaethje, but they're going to fight each other. I don't know. I assume that fight's going to be fucking crazy. So. Right. Uh, but I would say those fights are more dangerous for Connor than Tony, oh, is, honestly. 100%. So if you're the UFC, and, and assuming the UFC would want Connor to win, I don't think they're trying to get him out the back. This the guy who brings him the most money. They probably want him to win, right? Mm-hmm. Tony Ferguson's the fight to make then. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. So we're going to be wrapping up the episode here. We apologize for the technical shit that happened at the beginning, but we're looking to figure out a system that works foolproof from now on. Um, do you have anything you want to add before we wrap up here? I'll just check out Severe MMA. We got the podcast on every single platform you can get your podcast from. YouTube, Instagram, uh, Twitter, also SevereMMA.com. We got coverage and articles and blog posts. Uh, it's Ireland's leading MMA uh, outlet. So check that out. Sweet. Um, so we will be back next Tuesday for a full recap of, uh, depending on how well the car goes, definitely the main event, but maybe some other fights on the main event for Edson Barboza versus Giga Chigatsi live from the UFC Apex Center, 10 p.m. on ESPN. That is this Saturday, live at 10 p.m. from the UFC Apex Center on ESPN. Preliminary card starts at 7 on ESPN+. Uh, And we will talk to you all next Tuesday. All right, peace.